Streaming live, here we are, Tuesday. What's going on, man? You doing all right? You above ground, hearing the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> it's good to have you, you know, on our Tuesdays, what has been the, um, how should I say, what has been the consistency of our Tuesday sessions is in regards to analyzing the lyric. And that is indeed where we're going to keep it. We're going to keep our Tuesdays for the session of analyzing the lyric, except for today. <laughs> and for no other reason than I had some errands to run and some communications to have, and uh, um, it just uh, threw me off a bit, so I didn't have the time to um, really get to a song I wanted to analyze and share with you. So... Another direction we're going for this day is going to be our Facebook page and the posts we post and some of the comments there. I've been wanting to do that anyways because it has accumulated now over the weeks with a, a great many posts and a great many reactions to the post and the information of the post. So we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. So hopefully you'll stick around for that. Put your seatbelt on. It might be bumpy. Who knows, right? Stefan Maia is my name. AddedSouls.com is the website. Friends, please consider subscribing to the channel, giving us a thumbs up, allowing yourself to drop a comment there in the comment thread, and share the link far and wide on all your social media platforms. Also, if you'd like to support this work, you can do so by signing up at additsouls.locals.com. You will have some exclusive content there as well, and you can support me monthly. The Added Souls work through the Maya family as we labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. And you can check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com, or our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. We're doing some wonderful things here, and uh, it has been certainly a wonderful blessing, and we'd love for you to get involved with this mission. There is also, of course, the PayPal option, email address, addedsouls at gmail.com, or you can contact me for a physical address. All of that available to you if you are seeking a very good work, an opportunity to a very good work and ministry to get involved with. Isn't that good? I think so. Facebook. We have a Facebook page. I created the Added Souls Ministry, of course, on Facebook way back in December, I think, or September 2012. And it has uh, grown ever since. And today we find ourselves with 91,000 followers and growing. And uh, 43,000 likes. And that generates a reach uh, within the millions, if you will, each week. It ebbs, it flows. I think we have a record reach uh, between 69 or 71 or 72 million people in a week. And that, that was kind of cool to see that. It reaches people. That's what we want to do. The point form to our purpose on this page was created uh, way back in 2012. And it kind of goes like this. The purpose behind the work is to, number one, reach the faithless, the unbelievers, right? Number two, renew the fallen, those who have since withdrawn themselves from the faith they used to have in our Lord and Master. Jesus Christ. And number three, to reinforce the faithful, those among us who do need to be edified and built up and encouraged, challenged to remain faithful and uh, be productive in his kingdom. So those things keep us focused. And uh, when we go too far on the left, too far on the right, those three points bring us back to the narrow path so that we can be productive. And we have been. The page, of course, the work has generated uh, belief in the unbelievers. It has brought back those who had withdrawn themselves, and it has certainly 
resulted in encouraging uh, brethren. Renewals and baptisms, it's just a beautiful thing. And um, But it, it comes at a cost, you know. It comes at a cost, there is sacrifice involved, and um, you become the recipient, of course, of hostilities and all sorts of things like that, and you have to navigate through those moments to remain uh, active, to remain active in what we do. So uh, let me see here. Let me open up on the screen some of those posts we had, and we'll have a conversation about those posts. We go live, typically, from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Now what happens uh, is on Mondays, I usually upload uh, my sermon, or the sermon I, I proclaimed, the sermon I shared with my fellow brethren on Sunday. So that's recorded, and then we upload it on Monday. So that's available typically always over at the East Coast Church of Christ Facebook page, but it is also uploaded on our Rumble channel uh, and uh, at times on Substack, if you're a Substack individual. So yeah, that's that's where that goes. And from Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we have at 10 a.m. our scheduled themes for the day. Like for instance, today was supposed to be the analyzing the lyric where we take a song from out there in the secular world, and we analyze the lyrics, and we have ourselves a conversation with that through a worldview, a Christian worldview, you see. On Wednesdays, we have a structured Bible study. We've been going through the book of Genesis, and we're almost at the end, and that's been a wonderful journey. And of course, all these videos are archived. If you're truly a seeking individual who would like to uh, dive into the substance of the material we provide, you can certainly find that there. And on Thursdays, it's our topical Thursday, you see, and we have ourselves a topical discussion. And on Fridays is where we kind of give ourselves permission to have conversation on sociopolitical affairs and things that are taking place in, in politics and of more of a moral sense as well, more so of a moral sense in the regards to how politicians uh, utilize uh, various moral conversations to their agenda, if you will. But anyway, so that's kind of how that works throughout the week, and maybe you'd find yourself interested to join uh, us uh, throughout those things. So yeah, Facebook, our Facebook page, let me open this up here on the screen share, and you'll be able to follow along. So this is the Added Souls Facebook page, and um, you'll find here articles, Reels, stories, videos, uploads, live streams, posts, memes, you name it. it. It's its all there, and we do so as a service to our Lord and Master and, of course, to uh, all of you. Now, let me just uh, blow up the screen here a little if I can. Make it a bit bigger. There we go. Now we're getting somewhere, are we? Or maybe we're not. Hey, where'd it go? Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. You guys starting to see that? I think so, right? move it a bit over here. Now we're talking. Okay, so one of the posts, I mean, I'm just going to go from the latest on to as far as we can go and just have conversations about it. If you have comments or questions, by all means, let them be known, uh, and we'll take a look at what's taking place here. Uh, oh, let me check something here. I didn't know you could do that. Huh, interesting. Okay, so uh, the first or the latest one is God does not exist on our say so on our say so god does not exist on our say so quote before abraham was i am and what was the idea what's the thought what's the context behind this post well our posts are 
generated to make you think, right? They're generated to have you um, engage and participate and uh, share. And so uh, that's the motive, of course, is to have us um, in a friendly, hopefully peaceful, civil conversation about religious things or more moral things at times as well. So it says, God does not exist on our say-so. Well, that's a true statement. God does not exist upon our creation of him. No, he created us. He has always been. He was before us, he is now, and he will forevermore be. He has always been, he is eternal. Hence, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of the day, when they were trying again to snare him in one way or another, challenge him, test him in one way or another, which was always nefarious, sinister, and corrupted. But uh, he remained in self-control and uh, spoke the truth, nonetheless, with great authority. And he pretty much revealed to them, I am God on earth. Before Abraham was, I am. So God does not come from the minds of men. He's not created by the mind of man. Which is why man who thinks himself God cannot perceive that there would be something more powerful than himself. Well, there is. There is the great I am, the ancient of days. And uh, he has always been. He is now and he will forevermore be. So God does not exist on our say-so. And if you read the literature of the scriptures, uh, to which the scriptures come from a supernatural source, you must understand that. It is of a miraculous occurrence and literature that was set forth by the outpoured power of the Holy Spirit upon the 40 chosen vessels, of course, throughout the span of our historical timeline, which brought about uh, the perfect law of liberty, the complete, fulfilled, uh, tangible uh, law of, uh, of our Lord and Master. And um, it's a beautiful thing to have because it gives us instruction and purpose in life. Well, you would read in there the apostles, uh, who were men governed by God, Miraculously so, through the outpoured power of the Holy Spirit, even they, of free-willed thinking mind, were capable to write to brethren saying, Hey, listen, this gospel don't come from the minds of men. God doesn't come from the mind of men. We didn't get bored one day and say, let's create or let's write of a God. Where does the concept even come from? That's what I believe should be asked from our fellow atheists or skeptics or critics. Where does the question even come from that we would want to create ourselves to be gods or that there would be a god evolution really what was the what would be the scientific model behind evolution making in man the thought that there should be something greater or that we should be a god i mean where 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 does that come from well there's no explanation of course and the deviation from the answer is always a practice well, the answer is simple for those of us who have removed ourselves from the shackles of godlessness and began to investigate the tangible evidence available and make a logical, reasonable conclusion to it. Look at all this creation. Did it come from nothing? Or look at all this creation. Someone created it, right? Okay, God does not exist on our say-so. If I live today and die tomorrow, God is still I am. He is still here. He is still everywhere. He exists. He is not held uh, submissive to me. Rather, I am held submissive to him. 
and most thankful to that end, for he is a loving God, a compassionate God, a God who is love, the true, infinite description of love. So God does not exist on our say-so before Abraham was, I am. Not too much, uh, you know, no, 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 not too much pushback on that one. That one did okay. Here's one of our team members creating content, Brother C.J. Marshall. Uh, some articles written at times from our teammate, Brother Al or Brother George. There's Brother George creating content. We have a wonderful team now, a very humble loving, productive team. Here's another one. Mama wrong, Bible's right. <laughs> Mama wrong, Bible's right. We posted this one, of course, for the idea and the, the context, the thought, the motive. At a great many times, we can read plainly written verses in the Bible, and yet we choose to neglect and reject the plainly written verses of the Bible. Why? Because Mama told me differently. And the idea with mama could be grandma, it could be my pastor, my neighbor, my coworker, my friends, my cousins, whoever, you know, family, whoever. The idea is something's more important than the word of God. And so uh, the idea behind the post, of course, is no, there really isn't. It could be your sons and daughters. It could be your parents or grandparents. It could be the president of the United States. It could be prime minister of Canada. It could be king or queen of England. It doesn't matter who was saying it. It could be the Roman Catholic Pope. Okay. It could be Billy Graham. It could be Jimmy Schwaggerts. It could be Joel Olstein. You, you go ahead. You pick a name. It could be whoever. We are wrong and the Bible is right. That's the thought behind that. Mama wrong, Bible's right. So if you read in the Bible that it says, that you must love one another. And mama, well, she she hates something. Or she, she, she says, no, that's not true. We can hate this or we can hate stats. Well, you know, in a very surface and extreme illustration to it, we know that the Bible is what we should follow. Well, it's the same with all instructions in the scriptures. The uniqueness of the church, the plan of salvation, the way in which is pleasing to God, that we worship him, uh, all that kind of thing. If mama says something different than what the Bible instructs, what the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, is instructing us, well, obviously, mama's wrong and the Bible's right. And that's the idea there. And of course, there's always a little bit of pushback behind that, that kind of a statement, because folks, well, they want to criticize the Bible. They want to, because that, that's the, ultimately, that that's the decision, Right. Um, if the Bible's right, then we're wrong. And I can't accept that because I'm never wrong. I'm always right. Yeah, we know some of those in the church, don't we? Um, yeah, that don't work. The Bible's right. We may be right because we follow what the Bible says, you know, but uh, it doesn't come from the mind of men. So if we find ourselves reading the Bible with a certain preconceived religious worldview, and the Bible saying that that worldview is is uh, error, it's wrong, and it is not leading you to heaven, it is misguiding you towards an eternal punishment, well then the Bible's right and we're wrong. For some of us that's easy. For some of us that is simple. For some of us it is um, uh, uh, simple information and an easy practical application. 
for some of us, it is very, very difficult to the point in which we, of course, neglect, reject, and no longer want to participate with the scriptures. So we tell ourselves, well, we can't trust the Bible. Who knows who wrote that? And there's been so many mistakes with it and blah, blah, blah. We come up with, with excuses to try to uh, alleviate us from the guilt that the scriptures uh, would have us emotionally invested in so as to bring forth godly sorrow where there's actually a change in our lives. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Okay, so more content there being created. This was a beautiful day. This was Sunday that just passed. Uh, we immersed uh, two individuals into Christ. They had been studying with us for several weeks, uh, and uh, they obeyed the gospel. They came forward uh, Sunday after uh, after service, and they, they immediately wanted to be immersed into Christ. They understood the uniqueness of the church and the purpose of baptism and uh, all that kind of stuff. And so now we have a new brother and sister in Christ, uh, members here to the East Coast Church of Christ in New Brunswick, Canada. And that ha this has been now six baptisms uh, in 2023 thus far. Uh, we had one in 2022. We had some renewals, uh, several renewals. And uh, so it's been, some, it's been a very encouraging work. Why? Because we love people here. Because we're equal here. Because we practice what we preach here. We're not perfect. We're trying to be. We have many struggles, but we overcome them, and we're a strong family. So we have repeat visitors every week. We have contacts and Bible studies every week, uh, and we're a growing church. And it's not on us. It's God, God's work. See, that's, that's, that's the beauty of um, repenting and recognizing that um, we are to be humble souls servants that's all together united and um because of that uh, god has been blessing us so much encouraging us with so much growth so baptisms is the point of it all i mean it's the purpose of it all it's what we do it's people being saved by jesus christ people who have faith in christ are being saved and that's that's what it's all about and at times you know in our case god uh, truly uh, disciplined us and loved us. He withdrew us from some very toxic sources, toxic individual, self-righteousness, hypocrisy, cunning lies and slander, all these kind of toxic influences. He withdrew us from, from those uh, very manipulative and deceptive, fraudulent lies and, and individuals uh, filled with that kind of uh, behavior and divisive attitude, if you will. Um, wolves in sheep's clothing, that kind of stuff. Once, you, once, once that's out of the circle, then you have yourself a very faithful and healing and comforting, humble assembly uh, that can be utilized, useful as legal citizens of his kingdom to produce. And so God has been giving us his blessing. People are humble to learn the love we have for one another. And um, that's very attractive. In a world filled with hate and division, unity and love seems very very attractive. And so that's the key. And many have asked me, like, what, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Because we tend to structure our thoughts and thinking, well, are we knocking doors? Are we mailing out uh, thousands of, of, of letters? Are we having gospel weekends and gospel uh, weeks or, or whatever? And all of those things are wonderful. And we've practiced those things many, many times for many, many years. And uh, I have absolutely no problem with those things whatsoever. I think they are necessary in a given location, a given time. And they have purpose. 
However, uh, we uh, have taken a different direction to those things, and uh, they have proven themselves to be faithful and uh, productive, producing fruit, which is quite simple, really. The congregation, all of us, are active evangelistically. It's not the, you're the hired preacher, we pay you to do this, and we pay you to do that. No, not at all. No. It's so wonderful to be in a location where you're appreciated, where everyone's appreciated equally, and where we're all working. On who? Well, our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, our family. See, that's why how this is working. We're, 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 we're reaching people where they're at. We don't compromise the truth. We do not compromise the faith. But we take time with people. A people that is so far from God is not going to be able to even entertain a conceptual idea of what it means to obey the gospel. It takes time. And though we understand the emergency of the gospel and how we must seek it so fervently and passionately because, well, tomorrow's not promised to us. I, we get that. But pushing people who are lost, further lost, is not going to help the situation any further, is it? So we take time. And we go through the text very slowly. And we do so uh, f f book to book. For instance, we went through the book of John in our sermon sessions. We went from chapter 1 to the last chapter from all the verses. And we remain within the context. And in that way, our friends, our visitors, our contacts, they get to learn who Jesus is. So their conversion is genuine. They stay. They don't leave. They remain. Why? Because the conversion was at the hands of Christ, the Word of God. Not because I told them to. Not because mom and dad told them to. Not because they feel bad if they don't come. No, because they want to. They've been tapping into the, tr the, the account within its context of the Christ, the Messiah. So they come. And they learn. And they grow. And we finished John. And now we're in, uh, we started uh, the Gospel of Luke. And in our midweek studies, we go through epistles. We began uh, Ephesians. We had gone through Colossians and Galatians and uh, Philippians. And you truly got, get to learn what the author intended for us to learn. Because outside of that, what's been happening and what happens, sadly, most so than not, is you pluck out verses out of this context, you create something, and then people are not fully converted to it. They're just converted to an idea or a form of Christianity they've created in their own image instead of what the scriptures truly teach. So, uh, yeah, we've been, um, we've been witness to, um, to some wonderful, wonderful moments here with the East Coast Church of Christ. And we are so blessed that uh, God has just given us this purpose in life. I could, I could not ask for any better work. I won't change. I, I'm not going anywhere else. This is a wonderful, wonderful and growing work. So, uh, yeah, I obviously wanted to share that joy. And many individuals wanted to share that joy. And uh, we now have a new brother and sister in Christ. A new brother and sister in Christ. So that brings us oof, close to the 30s, I think, in membership. I have all the names, of course, listed down. We pray for them every day. We pray for each other. But, uh, yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing indeed. So we have other uh, posts here. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. 
There's a post. Some other content from some of the team members. Wonderful information. Oh, here's uh, our Saturday evening uh, podcast sessions. Uh, Back to the Bible. Our brother Andre Moore. He uh, has blessed me with the uh, opportunity to um, partner with him on these efforts on Saturday evening. And so we stream live and we answer questions that come from all of you guys. And on this past Saturday, the question was, my husband and I have been divorced, both divorced. Does God consider our marriage to be lawful? And if you'd like to know what we answer to that, well, here it is. See, two days ago, Added Souls on Facebook. The uh, session is there for all of you to view. Uh, What other things we have here? Don't look to Hollywood for marital advice. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) If you look to Hollywood or all these talk show hosts and all, well, everything that comes out from Hollywoodism, if you will, uh, for marital advice, you won't be married very long. You won't be happily married very long. No, you'll be found with your third, fourth marriage, always corrupted, always shaking your head, saying, why doesn't marriage work? Oh, marriage works. You just went to Hollywood for guidance, and therein now you find yourself in a in a lot of pain. So yeah, and that at times receives uh, hostility, I suppose. Some individuals have some things to say about that, but more so us Christians understand that. We're like, yeah, if you want to have a joyful and fulfilled marriage, you go to the scriptures, you go to the word of God, the New Testament uh is filled with wonderful instruction, behavioral conditions that we should practice that keeps us together as one, husband, wife, male, female, husband, wife. So don't look to Hollywood for marital advice. I mean, you look at all these talk shows, you look at all these celebrities, they're a chaos of division and divorce. They are. To them, it's a game. It's a show. It's just for more attention, more fame more influence. Don't trust Hollywood for your political position or policies. Don't look at Hollywood for marital advice. Don't look at Hollywood for anything pretty much other than entertainment. And at that, you kind of have to filter out the filth to find some decent entertainment <laughs> these days, uh, which is which is why I don't understand uh, the conservative side of life, uh, the morally upright side of life. They've got money. Why don't they create their own movie studios and they have begun to do so by the way which is interesting to me certain locations kind of like daily wire i don't agree with all the political positions and uh, talking points from ben shapiro or anything though i appreciate him a great deal for standing up to certain moral truths uh um daily wire is an organization that produces content that is family friendly and more so governed to the idea of what we culturally have been known to practice for centuries, which is male, female, husband, wife, children, good guys defeating the bad guys, bad guys trying to defeat the good guys, but the bad guys lose. You know, we like that kind of stuff that entertains us. (laughs) Uh, So don't look to Hollywood for any kind of advice whatsoever, right? But uh, for sure, marital advice. Tammy with us. Good to have you, Tammy. Wayne with us. Good to have you, Wayne. Uh, I don't know if I can see my other platforms. We stream live on various locations, obviously on Rumble, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Uh, where else now? A few other locations. But anyways, if, if you haven't subscribed yet, 
please consider doing so. Consider subscribing, liking, sharing, dropping a comment. And uh, by all means, please consider, if you will, uh, signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can sign up over there and support the work. And we truly pray uh, that you have the compassion uh, to take that opportunity and do so. That's how we pay the bills. It's how we have this technology to produce this content. And we have a lot more content we want to create uh, and uh, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, the work we do, you know, through the Maya family and the mission we're involved with, with the East Coast Church of Christ, all that kind of good stuff. So you have addedsouls.locals.com. You have PayPal, email address addedsouls at gmail.com. And uh, you can reach out to me for a physical address. So uh, please do that. So don't look to Hollywood for marital advice. No. Let's look at something else here. What else did we post? Uh, oh, here's one. We inherited the consequence of Adam and Eve's sin, not the guilt. Now, that'll, that'll trigger some individuals for sure, you know, that have been born and raised in a um, erroneous worldview of Christianity, meaning... Most of us were born and raised in what we believe to be Christianity, but it wasn't really Christianity. It's Christianity created in the image of God. And because of that, we mishandle the scriptures and we come up with all kinds of erroneous, mythical, sensational uh, religious traditions, shrines, rituals, whatever. Beliefs, beliefs. And one of them is the idea that uh, the original sin, right, that we were born guilty of sin, wicked and wretched. From conception on forward, we are just miserable, sin, uh, sin-ridden, guilty uh, objects that need to be um, cleansed, right? Well, that's just not the case. That's not true. That's not real. And all religious organizations that would have you believe that you were conceived at the moment of conception, ensoulment, that from the moment of your existence, you're guilty of sin, the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, you need to leave that place. Yeah, I know, mom and dad are there, grandma, grandpa are there, you were born and raised in that church, I, I know, but they're wrong and they're not headed towards heaven. That's a hard one, I know. Uh, I I understand how difficult that is. I, we were there, I was there once. But it is nonetheless the truth. The truth is, truth is reality. And here's reality that sober your thoughts, set you free from the bondage of a lie. We inherited the consequence of Adam and Eve's sin. That's what we are living, the consequences of it. But we're not guilty of the sin of Adam and Eve. Are we guilty of our own sins? Absolutely. The minute we chose to of independent accountability, side with sin and practice sin, we alienated ourselves from God. And now we must seek a savior, redemption, forgiveness of our sins, which is only possible through Christ and Christ alone. No other. Acts 4.12. So you don't need to live with the guilt of Adam and Eve's sin. You do need to live with the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin, which created a fallen world. You need to live with the guilt of your own sin and seek forgiveness for that. And the Bible, of course, gives us instruction on how Jesus will save our souls if we seek that. Here is, here's another post here, moving forward. Another post. Uh, these are few and far between. 
far and few between. Um, they are of a sociopolitical nature. And of course, uh, this is one of the political leaders of our conservative party over here in Canada. It's just kind of a snippet where he speaks about how if he is elected in power, Canada will remove itself from the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and um, all that kind of stuff. And he also speaks of policies that he will enforce to have parents, once again, in authority to their children regarding sexual uh, conversations and no longer at the hands of academics and public schools, which have since, of course, uh, turned to social Marxism uh, in regards to these activists or these collectivists, these minds, what we commonly call in the streets the woke left, right? The woke left are indeed social Marxists. They are uh, individuals of that sort. So uh, at times, periodically, very rarely, we will share a small clip it from a politician or someone who is speaking against the tyranny and oppression of the woke left. And uh, there is uh, Pierre Poliev, the leader of the Conservative Party, saying so. Now, me personally, if you're asking me, I don't trust any of them, to be honest with you. I think Pierre, along with all the conservatives in the party, are compromised. They're just pandling to the vote. And the Canadian people are tired of the woke left and their policies and this fallen nation. And so we're forcing our Conservative Party to, if they want our votes, to do what we tell them to do. Will they once they're in power? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine, my friend. I think what we do need is a complete reversal. I think we need to vote in someone who's not a politician and uh, is capable of leading and has his own money instead of robbing us blind. Oh, where did I ever hear something like that happening now? Hmm. It's like this big fellow has orange hair. Can't remember his name. Yeah, that guy. Okay, so we move forward and uh, some more stories, some um, what they what Facebook calls stories or um, reels uh, with scriptures. Those usually do very well. That's good. Here's one. Love your enemies doesn't mean enable your enemies. Love your enemies doesn't mean enable your enemies. Man, oh man, we Christians need to understand this one. We tend to think that loving our enemies means... We need to enable them, encourage them, promote them, and allow them to murder us. Because that's what loving your enemy is all about. No. If you have the opportunity to do something kind to an enemy, by all means do so. It might change an enemy to a friend. I've practiced that. I've witnessed that. I've been the recipient of one who used to be an enemy who became a friend through me being kind to him while he hated me and wanted to murder me. But uh, that's not going to be the case if you break down my house at 3 a.m. wearing a mask and weaving a weapon at me and my family. I'm not going to be like, love your enemies, go ahead, murder us. No. I say this with all love and respect. You will meet Jesus. And sadly, you will meet him on uh, the wrong terms. It's not because I hate my enemies. It's not because I'm not practicing turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek means don't retaliate, don't revenge. No way, shape, or form does it say, yeah, just allow murderers to murder you and your family, or anything like that. Love your enemies doesn't mean enable your enemies. You can love your brother or sister who is uh, snared in a sin, adultery, fornication, whatever it could be, right? You name it. But loving them doesn't mean you enable them to leaven the whole lump. 
There's a reason there is church discipline. There's a reason why we withdraw from brethren who do not repent from high-handed practice, daily habitual practice of sinful activity or behavior. Um, there's a reason we withdraw from that. That doesn't mean we don't love them. And they aren't enemies, right? They're our brethren. We love our brethren. We love our enemies. What does that mean? To repent and follow Jesus. So love your enemies doesn't mean enable your enemies. You know, don't go to the meth addict and be like, man, I love you. Here's 50 bucks. Here's $100, man. I love you. No. No, you know you're not supposed to do that. So that's pretty straightforward. But again, you will have... Uh, all kinds of comments to that. Oh, here's a comment from our brother, Rob, Robbie. Robbie Eversall. And he says, boy, now that's some truth to chew on. Yeah, we should, shouldn't we? Very good comment from uh, brother Robbie. We appreciate brother Robbie a great deal. Here's another uh, post. In a hopeless world, have hope in Christ. Yeah, we should. If you put your hope in all kinds of stuff, other stuff, you're going to fall short, man. I know it. I've tried it. You want to put your hope in money? Never have enough. Money can't buy you happiness, but I'm happiest when I can buy when I want. Yeah, I know it's a song, but it's not really a practical practice in your life. You can't eat money. Money ain't that warm. Money's pretty cold. And money can get very bloody. So you want to put your hope in money? You will fail. You want to put your hope in materialistic accumulation, cars and boats and ATVs and houses. And there's nothing wrong with those things. And there's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of it that becomes the problem. When it becomes this idol separating you from God, then we got a big problem. Then we got problems. Then your hope is uh, hopeless. Okay. What about career? What about employment? Maybe that's the purpose of life, right? Let's put our hope in career. Work, 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 work. I don't have time to do anything else. Work, 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 work. No, that won't do it. You'll miss the mark with that one too. Well, maybe uh, hope in building stuff and creating stuff. and Well, those things are all wonderful. The ingenuity of man's mind uh, is truly a, a wonderful witness to God's design. Uh, but if we make that the purpose of life, to just create, I'll build another building. I'll build another this. Let's build it bigger and better. Let's build a spaceship that can fly to Mars. Well, that's very ambitious, and it's wonderful, and it shows, again, the intelligence of man. But if that's, if your hope is solely on those things, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. I'm telling you. Why? I know this is hard to, I know this is a very difficult concept. I know. But hear me out. We're all going to die. I know it's doom and gloom. I know. I don't want to think about my, my mortality, my departure. I know that. I don't want to say bye to friends and loved ones. I don't want to. I get it. I'm not speaking with a calloused mind. But it is a truth nonetheless. All of us must depart this earth. Why? Because we're the living consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. And because we too have sin, we've partook in lawlessness and now must face the consequences. We all must depart this earth in order to go to the next realm, a location in which none will die ever again, if you will. In eternity, a location that never ends. And it's either going to be in punishment, torment, hell, or peace, paradise, heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I, for one, want to do everything I can of the right motive of the heart, 
producing the right action, the right behavior, the right practice and obedience so I can go to heaven one day. Because dying once is enough for me. Most want to die twice. That's their decision. I used to be there too. I'm like proud of it too. Yeah, I'm going to hell. Yay. That's before I found out the reality of life and the purpose of life and what takes place there. So there's really no other location of hope for eternal peace than with Christ. Again, I've tried all the other departments that the world has to provide to no avail. You can get all the money, all the women, all the power, all the influence, all the fear of the world. It won't help you go to heaven at all. And it's a very um, shallow life, vain life. It holds no true warmth and substance. The best life you can live on this earth is marry someone who loves Jesus and who's going to love you. And hopefully you'll have the blessing of children and have family. We've known this in the Western world when we used to be adherent to Christian principles. We used to know that. We used to hold dear to it. It treated us well for a long time. But that is true. I tell my wife more often than, than not, if only we'd have done these things earlier in life. We would have had more years together. More children. Well, at least I'm 47 and it's not over yet. Better to be late than never, I suppose, right? Hope in Christ. Get to know Jesus. Again, you ask, how are we growing so much with the East Coast Church of Christ? Because we're getting to know Jesus. Who he truly was as a man and as God on earth. The true, pure, genuine account of inspired written words. Not plucking out verses, you know. Believe in Jesus, John 3.16, now you're good to go. Have a nice life. No. No. Nor through the lens of self-righteous, diatrophic or pharisaical individuals in the church who cunningly creep in and cause all kinds of chaos and division. No, no, that's not Christianity. That's hate. That's, That's not love. No. Get rid of all that stuff. All the bad stuff. And uh, go to the pure word and allow the word of God to do its work. Get to learn to know who Jesus is. The tradition in the church has been to learn certain Bible verses in a certain way. It's quite interesting when you go through it one verse at a time and you read it for yourself. And you trust the word for what it says. You get to learn that some epistles, some books, or not as we were told it was be. It, it, should, it should teach. It teaches quite differently. Have hope in Christ. There's nothing in this world that can save your soul but Jesus Christ. So, yeah, more posts. Let me see here. What else do we got here? You can have some cookies. Just don't eat the whole box. Self-control. <laughs> That's one of the posts there. I thought that was a bit humorous, but it is true. Right? Self-control. We tend to think that with everything else except food. Hey, listen, I like food. I lost like 40 pounds. I was a skinny little dude. At school. I was skinny for like ever. Then in 2011 I got sober. Because I've been living in the world as a heathen. And doing what the world does. And uh, just indulging in everything. Uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll if you want to know. And so uh, when I when I chose to start following Jesus. And repent. Change my mind and change my behavior and change my ways. You know, stop doing all those sex, drugs and rock and roll stuff. Um, 
I found out food tastes tastes very good. <laughs> and I found out it tastes very, very good. And so I couldn't get enough food. And so food needed to enter my mouth and uh, go into my body. And so uh, I gained a lot of weight throughout the many years until the doctor said, you will die if you do not go on a diet. But I said, doesn't the word die... Isn't the word die in diet? I mean, that's scary to me. I don't believe in no diets. Look at the word, die. So we had a chuckle, and she's like, no, listen. You have to step down from the cholesterol and the carbs there. And I did, and I lost a whole bunch of pounds. And it was very, very difficult to do that because I could no longer eat a whole box of cookies and a full bag of chips and all kinds of chocolate bars and, you know, everything I wanted to, um, to now a moderate I probably still eat more than what my body needs, but never to the gluttonous stage, right? Where I'm just morphing into an obese, couch-surfing individual. And I am aware that in the minority, it is true that some individuals have bodily functions that are of a medical attention, which would have them gain weight, even if they're just like drinking water. So I'm not speaking to them. But to the majority, we all know that we eat too much because we live in a land of milk and honey and we take it for granted and we're spoiled rotten. So instead of eating portions that are necessary to keep the body functioning forward and find pleasure in that, it's great. It's, it's joyful to eat good food, uh, but to, to remain uh, self-controlled with it instead of indulging to such an extreme... Uh, that we have, find ourselves having heart problems at 30, 40, 50 years old uh, and being obese and bringing reproach upon the church, truly. I mean, how, how can you speak of self-control on a great... And, and, here, and, and that's what's difficult, right? You have to be able to instruct individuals upon self-control. And we all work on that, myself included, I assure you. Um, I lack self-control in a great many ways, and I try to get better at it every day. Um, all of us do. But it's kind of difficult if you... It kind of seems like food is the location where we can just kind of laugh at that. You know, ah, well, it can be serious. I mean, how are you... If you seek to be most effective for our Lord and Master and be approachable and speak about self-control and the need for change, how can you do that if you are an individual who indulges so much so in food that you've become obese and no longer functioning? You're no longer an asset to the congregation. You're a liability. Now that, of course, is specifically speaking in context of those who eat themselves into oblivion. I'm not speaking about health conditions. I'm not speaking about doctor's instructions to eat certain ways to, to deal and regulate body functions or whatnot. So don't take words out of my mouth here. I'm speaking specifically of, uh, of the majority who just eat themselves into oblivion and then claim Christianity. Well, you wouldn't accept that in any other format. So why does food get the pass? Well, it shouldn't. You can have some cookies. I like cookies. I like Oreos. Oh, man, I like Oreos. I've always liked Oreos. Oreos and milk. Man, 
just love those cookies. I could eat a whole box. I'm telling you, I could. I may have already in the past somehow, probably. One of my munching fits. I'm like, I'm going to eat a whole box of Oreos. So the, I, I, I really like the cookies. Well, I can now eat two. Okay, sometimes four. Right? I'm being transparent. I'll make it to four cookies at times. But I don't need any more. Could I eat more? Of course I could. What, are you kidding me? I could eat the whole box. But I think two cookies is enough. And not every day and not every meal. Though I greatly appreciate if I did, if I could, I would. But my body says no and my mind says no. My conscience says, no, man, you know, you've had enough. It's fine. And I like feeling full. We all have that feeling. You feel full. You just want to take a nap. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being full. I think if we go too far with it, though, I think if we go too far with it, we're going to get ourselves into some problems. So you can have some cookies. Just nah, don't eat the whole box. Self-control is what the idea behind that. Uh, here's another one. No, you have not died. This is another post here I'm, I'm, I'm quoting from the post. No, you have not died. Seen the afterlife and come back to tell the story. Hebrews 9.27. Oh man, we got all kinds of that's today, don't we? Individuals who are firmly convinced they've died, seen hell or heaven, and came back to tell the story about it. No, you haven't. And I think they know that too. I think they're just lying to themselves. Some of them, they know they can make money from it, write a book or go on a TV show or something or a talk show. And yeah, I died and I saw this and I saw that. And it's very interesting to people because people want to know. <gasps> you did? It's because they're ignorant. They're godless. If you, want, if you really want to know what's, at, what, what's after this life, you just need to go to the Bible. The Bible is the source of instruction to tell us what, what you can find after this life in the afterlife. Matter of fact, there is even a recorded account of two individuals who have gone to the other life. Well, one to eternal torment and one to eternal paradise. And you can read that. And those are true accounts. If you want to know about the afterlife, you need to kind of go to the source, the divine power, the source that has created all things. I mean, you know, to me that makes sense. So no, you've not died and you've not seen and experienced things there and come back. And I think it's because some individuals don't understand death, number one, as well. Death is when your spirit has left your body. It's not when your heart has stopped. Though if your heart has stopped long enough, your spirit's going to leave your body. See, naturalists don't understand that because they're godless. They don't think there is a spirit in the head. They don't think there's a spirit within us. And I point to the mind because that's where I want to put it. But it's there. So when the spirit leaves the body, the mind, the physical vessel here, this container of sorts, it goes to the afterlife. If your heart has stopped on the, on the operating table and the doctor is doing his stuff and your heart starts to beat again, any given a time, you didn't die and come back. You didn't. Dying is when your spirit leaves you. And I assure you, when your spirit leaves you, it don't come back. It doesn't. The whole Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore ghost movie that we all enjoyed in what, the 80s or early 90s? I forget now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just, it's just Hollywood entertainment. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. 
So no, you have not died and seen the afterlife and come back. I'm sorry, you haven't. You can't lie to me. I'm not going to purchase your products. I'm not going to buy your book. I know it's a lie. Oh, it's entertaining. It's fun. It's kind of like watching all these history or discovery channels talk about, you know, space aliens, green little men building the pyramids, you know, in Egypt. Well, no, you know, it's entertaining to watch. It's kind of, it's, it's science fiction. But it's not really reality. It's not true. It just isn't. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, maybe one more because we're at our hour. We are at our hour. There's a wonderful sister. She produces uh, content as well, uh, Ortaria and Lisa. We appreciate them very much. We have a good team. We have a growing team as well. Uh, here we go. What's this here? Have more babies in a lawful wedlock. <laughs> yeah. Because this fallen world is telling us to hate babies, to murder babies, and to not have babies because they're a burden on you. That's what the world's telling us. That's what Hollywood's telling us. That's what everything's telling us these days in this fallen, corrupt public uh, generation. But we should. It's a blessing to have kids. If you can, have some. Have them in wedlock. Have them in a lawful marriage. That's the idea. They didn't like that one. Though. Some of them didn't like that. But it's true. It is. It is. Oh, yeah. Here's our last one then. This is, a, this is the last post I'll, I'll speak about before we end this session. Sin sympathizers are enablers who signal their virtues in defense of evil. Oh, and it's just such a frustrating thing to see them. These self-enlightened, quote-unquote, Christians are quick to rebuke the faithful child of God who exposes sin. For instance, it kind of goes like this in real example time. Fornication. If you are practicing the illicit literal act of intercourse with an individual outside a lawful wedding bed, uh, you are guilty of lawlessness and you cannot go to heaven that way. You will never go to heaven actively practicing fornication. It'll never happen. It just won't. And all of a sudden, as I say these things publicly, and I say these things publicly so as to um, so as to have us change towards God, so as to have us learn the love of Christ, so as to have us stop practicing fornication, which is lawlessness, which leads to eternal destruction, and to start doing what's right and living right. The motive is love, forgiveness, hope. So we say these things. Why do you think Jesus told the people to repent? Why do you think the apostles told the people to repent? Because they loved them. They wanted them to change. Why do we tell the kids, don't play with fire? Learn how to utilize fire for good. Of course. You can you can you can have sexual relations within a lawful marriage and you'll find great pleasure there. But if you utilize the fire for something else than warmth, you're gonna burn the house down. Once you step in the realm of fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and everything else, you're burning the house down. So we tell the kids don't play with fire. Learn how to utilize fire in a responsible way, 
But if you play with fire, you're going to burn yourself. And in comes the enlightened, the enlightened, self-enlightened Christian. Oh, tisk tisk tisk. How will you ever reach the lost? Saying such things. Stop pushing people away. That's not how you're going to reach fornicators by telling fornicators that fornication is a sin. And they have these lengthy comments and they, they produce this virtuous hypocrisy. None so much than with sexual sins, by the way. That's the that's the one they all jump jump on the wagon with. The minute you call out fornication, adultery, or homosexuality, and out of those three, you can guess it, homosexuality is the most measured sin where these enlightened Christians need to chime in and not rebuke those who practice homosexuality, by the way. No, no, no. They defend those and they rebuke us because how dare we say that homosexuality is a sin? How are we ever going to reach anyone that way? They're right in their own minds. They are self-righteous. They are puffed up with pride and they're blinded by their own vices. Most of which, by the way, I at times challenge. None of which have actually sat down and tried to convert someone who practices homosexuality. But yet somehow, they have become the specialists, the professors, the teachers. And they must enlighten us with their spirit-guided thoughts. Well, no. They're actually, I have less patience with them than I do the straight heathen who's just like, I'm a heathen and I practice sexual sins and I enjoy it. Leave me alone. I much rather respect that individual than the, I'm the believer and I'm the Christian and I'm here to defend the homosexual, right? The sympathizer. I can't, I have a hard time standing those brethren. I really do. I try to be patient with them but I usually do not deal with them at all. Click, click, deleted, banned, blocked, go away. You're part of the problem. You're an enabler. You're supposed to be on, you're supposed to be an encourager. You're supposed to love me, your brother, and encourage me while I'm being persecuted for standing up to the truth and exposing evil. But no, you rebuke me. You make yourself look to be the upper hand of enlightenment and virtuous signaling and you defend the delinquent the offender the one who is practicing high-handed rebellious sin yeah no leave me alone go away with all love and respect the sin sympathizers are enablers who signal their virtues in defense of evil are we to be presentable approachable loving towards those who are snared in sin absolutely I've repented a great many ways on the effort, the tact, the manner in which I would approach individuals who are snared in sin. And there is a different approach individually, independently, personally with someone who's sitting across the table than broadly, publicly. But we want to be approachable so as to have inroads to a conversation that would lead to questions, seeking. Why should I not practice adultery or fornication or homosexuality. Maybe there is destruction in that lifestyle. There is chaos. There is death and division. 
not only does it have deep immediate consequences on this on this earth it has eternal consequences as well so there is certainly a boundary of production and we go outside that boundary we no longer become productive and at times we can become embittered against those who practice sin and begin to hate them so much that we are belligerent and rude towards them or insult them and mock them no i do not confirm to those things i don't think that is a productive way to be but my dear friends if we are christians and faithful to our lord and master publicly so it's going to happen you're going to say homosexuality is a sin it is a perversion and all who practice it not only will face earthly consequences of chaos but will have eternal destruction and punishment practicing those things i don't mean i hate you that don't mean i don't recognize that you were created in the image of the great i am it simply means i'm trying to help you because someone loved me enough to help me while i was in sin so i'm just trying to help you as well to know who the man jesus christ is and in chimes in again the sympathizer oh you're never going to reach anyone that way click click deleted bye go away you're not helping you need to change your way your your heart that way you can't can't be that way not productive all right anyways so we've gone through uh several posts there are so many there's so many more to to, to look at and i might do that on a random impromptu live uh stream or something but uh yeah you know i think we have to have conversations about those things at times and those posts are designed that way to challenge us and have us talk about religious things please consider subscribing liking sharing drop a comment all that kind of good stuff please consider supporting the work it helps a great deal we see your name supporting we pray for you we love you um, we thank god every day for those who do support and in today's age man our current time where delinquency is leading our country into complete collapse it's difficult to pay the groceries and to pay the bills and so every little bit counts and we along with our supporters believe that the added souls ministry has purpose it's given me purpose in life to be able to work for god if i'm not working for god i i'm lost i'm lost if i can't do this i'm lost i love doing this if i can't do this i'm lost that's all there is to it so uh please consider you know you want more information you have concerns questions reach out to me you can have a video chat a phone call or email exchange everything is transparent it is honest it is genuine it's right there for you it's good work over here and look at the things we're doing look at the things sometimes you know you have to take the time to look at the big picture look at what the east coast church of christ is doing what have you been seeing from us since may 8th 2022 it speaks for itself look at the work when slander is slander when individuals try to diminish the integrity of my behavior or my work or the things we do here look at the work what's happening when you look at a model that only causes division and chaos and pushing people away and you look at a model that is fruitful and loving and growing with baptisms and renewals how much more evidence do you need to discern the difference between diotrophies and demetrius there's some good work you can get involved with you want a faithful church move here with us 
I can't brag on the East Coast congregation enough. It's a wonderful church. Contact any of the members. Contact all of them. Each and every one of them. They'll tell you the same thing. It's a beautiful, wonderful, growing congregation. And God is cultivating us many goals. I mean, we, we're literally growing outside every room we've been in thus far throughout the months. That's a beautiful thing. We're becoming independent in a great many ways. That's a beautiful thing. We're cultivating family, elders and, and uh, seniors and, and um, uh, families, kids, grandparents, parents, youth. We take care of, we take care of widows. We want to take care of uh, the needy. We, we, we have a system. We're building a system so committed, so tight, so giving. You want to be a part of that. I assure you, you do. It's a good work. It's a good work. I defend that in court. All right, guys, you know, we love you. And we hope that you will have a wonderful rest of your day. Lord willing, tomorrow, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time, we'll have ourselves studies continuing in the gospel, or uh, not the gospel of, but the uh, book of Genesis. Stay focused, stay positive. Till then, Lord willing, peace out.